0: You learn things when you do a podcast about Texas, I guess. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans. We're three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State, share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkoski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. He was a member of one of the most iconic rock bands in American history and a very successful solo artist. And the country roots he developed in his small East Texas hometown shine through all his music. Today, we continue our discussion of Don Henley. But first, what's your favorite defunct store that you might have found in a Texas mall in the 1980s? Uh, I'm going to go with Walden Books.
1: I love County Seat, but Walden Books was my place. I mean, I could just, when, when the fam went to the mall i just park myself in Walden Books, have a stack of comics or a stack of big books about World War II airplanes or British Navy ships of the First World War, and just stay there.
2: Well, I mean, you kind of— I I
0: also loved
2: the county seat, or as I knew it, the the land of denim
0: jackets. (laughs) And shirts. I I don't know that I've ever been—was ever in a county seat. I don't think we had them down south
1: oh they had them where we were
0: that oh. that was the place to buy your your 501s mm, no mm. nope 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 i'm gonna go with the uh you know i'm actually gonna go with uh, i was torn because it was like sears because they just closed but i'm actually <laughs> gonna go a little older because i'm so darn old with montgomery wards Because that's where we bought our lawnmowers. Because we were a Montgomery Ward family when I was a kid.
1: There are no Montgomery Wards anymore. That's for sure.
0: Well, this is that's you asked the question. What's your favorite thing that's defunct? They're defunct. You know, if I remember correctly,
2: yeah, didn't uh, Lee Harvey Oswald work at a Montgomery Ward's? Probably lived down the street from a Montgomery Ward's.
0: Hmm. I don't remember, but I do know that Sears is now defunct too, for the most part. I mean. The yeah. Sears in my town is defunct, anyway. But Montgomery Ward in the eighties, they had a candy counter, and I remember that uh, on those few occasions we got to go to the mall, that we might get lucky and get a get a little bag of something from the candy counter at the Montgomery Ward's. <laughs> candy. Um,
2: those are all good choices, um, but I am going to go with uh, Aladdin's Castle. Oh well, you Aladdin's win. Castle Scott. Scott wins. For uh, those of you that don't know. There used to be these things called arcades that were full of video games that you put money in so you could play. Hey,
0: these um,
2: these kids have seen Wreck It Ralph. Okay. What is just, this uh, arcade you speak sure. of? Old I, don't, I don't know our I don't know our audience one hundred percent. Just saying. So we'd go to the mall, um, and uh, I'd have a roll of quarters, quarter pound of gummy bears, and I had a nana that would wait outside until I was out of both or either. So that was my place to go, go in there. And uh, it was always amazing. I don't know why it was always amazing to her that uh, I would finish a quarter pound of gummy bears in the time it took me to play (laughs) through a roll of quarters, but uh, it happened every time.
0: Aladdin's castle was sort of like a, um, it was a forbidden fruit, not allowed to touch it as a child, but that's okay. (laughs) Tangling forever tempting me. With no, a siren song. I,
1: I would get like a dollar
0: and I'd probably waste it all on
1: stupid castle quest or uh was that was
2: that what was that game called? Marble Madness. The no, no 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 the
1: guy the guy that jumped over
2: the Dragon Slayer?
1: Yeah, Dragon Slayer. I'd wasted on Dragon's Lair, stupid Dragon Slayer.
0: Uh, I would wouldn't say even make it out of the first room.
1: No. <laughs> pump, pump four quarters in there. I could have been playing Pac-Man the whole time.
0: I could do like I could do like two hours on like 80s video games. So we're just gonna move on. But trust me when I say like you you touched a tender and, and beautiful nerve. But what's awesome though is
2: I can still picture in my mind exactly where Aladdin's castle was at uh, Bayburg Mall. I have no idea what's in that part of the mall now, but probably uh, in the Salon. I, I, I could I could point to it. I could walk <laughs> through there and point to it.
1: I can I can remember where the 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 arcade was at the Sykes Center Mall in Wichita Falls, right across the way from the movie theater and right next to the toy store. And it was that was that was that was childhood heaven right there. Mm. The Walden Books is around the corner. Malls. Malls, malls, malls.
0: Memories. Yeah. From nineteen seventy-one until nineteen eighty, the rock band The Eagles, were at the top of the music world. Millions of albums sold, multiple top ten and number one hits, six Grammy Awards, and multiple sellout tours all indicated their success. But this wild success couldn't overcome the toxic environment and fractious relationships between the band members. Drummer, singer, and songwriter Don Henley was a creative driving force of the band, and as the group he founded with Glenn Frey, Randy Meisner, and Bernie Leiden, which now included Don Felder, Tim Schmidt, and Joe Walsh, was self-destructive chemical swamp in the summer of 1980 and henley didn't rest long on his laurels he and his one-time girlfriend stevie Nicks, whom he dated after her breakup with lindsey buckingham performed the duet leather and lace on her solo album belladonna released in 1981 Nicks and henley no doubt had a lot to talk about when it comes to contentious relationship with their successful bands of the 1970s
1: henley's own personal life wasn't entirely perfect In November 1980, Hanley had recently ended a three-year relationship with model and actress Lois Childs. Now, Lois Childs was a Texas girl who'd been Dr. Holly Goodhead on the 007 movie Moonraker.
0: Great movie. yeah. And she was on, uh, appeared on Dallas as well as uh, it is a good movie and she's wonderful. At, and, well, she's wonderful, but let's, let's not, it's go a horrible, to, movie. it's a horrible, let's not oversell to this fair, and ruin this.
1: <laughs> to be fair, it's a Roger Moore 007 movie, not called for your eyes only. So by, by nature of the whole situation,
0: it's a good Roger Moore, James Bond. Oh my gosh. Movie. This is a digression. Get broccoli on the phone. We got to make a Star Wars Bond movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: it's not the worst Roger Moore movie.
0: Well, yeah.
1: Uh, okay. Anyway. Well, anyway, another disaster occurred. Uh, he had just broken up with Lois childs recently. Uh, paramedics were called to his home in Los Angeles, and there they found him with a naked 16-year-old girl who was overdosing on cocaine, along with another 15-year-old girl who was also present. Both girls were arrested for prostitution and drug possession. Henley was arrested, and he ultimately pled guilty to contributing to the delinquency of a minor, and he served two years of probation. Oh,
0: 1980,
1: you are such a different time.
0: I mean, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe uh, yeah. there's there's no real... Wow. Yeah. yeah. Hard to get past that one. <laughs>
2: So, uh, despite the negative media attention on Henley, he spent most of 1981 mixing a live album of the Eagles' last tour. In 1982, Henley released his first solo album, I Can't Stand Still. Sales and reviews were modest, and the first single, Johnny Can't Read, didn't even hit the top 40. But the second release... Dirty Laundry, which was inspired by the press's coverage of Henley's Legal Troubles, reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100 list and number one on the Billboard Rock Chart. It went on to earn a gold certification for a million U.S. sales and was nominated for a Grammy. In fact, Dirty Laundry is the only solo song from Henley to reach gold status. One million Dirty records. Dirty Laundry. Well, I'm glad he was
0: able to take that horrible event in his life and turn it into money. In 1984, Henley released Building the Perfect Beast. The song Boys of Summer reached number 5 on the Billboard Hot 100. The music video was even more successful than the song and won several MTV Video Music Awards, including Best Video of the Year, and Henley also won a Grammy for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. All She Wants to Do is Dance, Not Enough Love in the World, and Sunset Grill all hit the Hot 100 chart and were played on the radio to death. The album made it to number 13 and eventually hit triple platinum. 1989 saw Henley release the
1: album, The End of the Innocence," The title track, which was a collaboration with the great Bruce Hornsby, love Bruce Hornsby. Uh, it hit number eight on the pop charts and it scored even higher on the adult contemporary charts. He was moving out of pop and into adult contemporary at this time. It also earned him another Grammy for best male rock vocal. It also won him an, it also earned him another Grammy for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. The heart of the matter, The Last Worthless Evening and New York Minute from the album also received and New York Minute from this album also achieved success and got airplay. Despite the fact that the album didn't have as many top 40 hits as Building the Perfect Beast, it was a bigger hit overall and went platinum 6 times. In 1995, Henley released a greatest hits album, Actual Miles, Henley's Greatest Hits which included a
2: new single, The Garden of Allah, as well as his big hits that we've just mentioned. As his fellow band members could attest, Henley wasn't always the easiest person to work with, though he did remain on better terms with Walsh, Schmidt, and Felder than Fry did. In fact, Henley later said he became estranged from his longtime songwriting partner Fry in the 1980s. In January 1993, with a long history of tension between Henley and his label, Geffen Records, the company filed a $30 million breach of contract suit after Henley gave them notice that he was terminating his contract. According to the terms, he still owed them two more studio albums and a Greatest Hits collection. Henley was trying to sign a deal with EMI that would have been worth millions of dollars, but Geffen stopped that from happening, which,
0: understandably, made him upset. Henley tried to get out of his contract using an old California statute. The statute states that entertainers could not be forced to work for any company for more than seven years. Geffen obviously didn't want him signing with any other labels, and set up an agreement with Sony and EMI so that they would not sign him. This caused Henley to countersue them, claiming that he was being blackballed. This went on for nearly two years, until an unlikely event finally gave Henley the leverage he needed to find a new contract.
1: For over a decade, any time any one of the Eagles were asked if they would reunite, the standard answer would be, when hell freezes over. Closest anyone came to getting them together was when Henley and Walsh provided backing vocals for a, for a Felder solo album in 1982, or a Meisner solo album in, in another time, or maybe a Walsh album. And then later, Schmidt and Walsh joined Ringo Starr's All-Star Tour in 1992. In 1993, though, an Eagles tribute album was released by popular country artists of the day. Singer Travis Tritt convinced Henley, Fry, Schmidt, Walsh, and Felder to appear on the music video for his cover of Take It Easy. The members of the band were amazed that people still wanted to see them together, and they talked about performing a concert, which they planned for later in 1993. However, Fry failed to show up for rehearsals, However, Fry failed to show up for rehearsals,
2: and the show was never booked. The next year, this lineup of the Eagles finally did reunite for a show, which was recorded for an album and video aptly titled Hell Freezes Over. The lion's share of Henley and Fry's profits from that album went to Geffen, as there was also a dispute between Fry and his label, MCA, which was owned by Geffen. Geffen also sued Elektra Records to prevent them from releasing another Eagles Greatest Hits album. Hell freezes over, and Henley's Greatest Hits album satisfied his contract with Geffen, and the band later moved to Polydor.
0: The Eagles became a steady touring outfit for the next two decades. They were inducted into and performed at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998, a show that included all the members of the band, well, except Randy Meisner. There was also another firing of Don Felder in 2001, who had sued the band for royalties that he claimed Fry and Henley weren't paying him. They didn't release new material for over a decade, however, until The Long Road Out of Eden came out in 2008. This was the first album that they had released since 1979, 28 years. The Eagles' final tour with their original members, The History of the Eagles, began in July of 2013 and ended in July of 2015. It included all the members of the Eagles, except for Meisner, who could not attend due to long-term illness, and Don Feldner, who somehow wasn't asked to join. Only six months later, Glenn Fry died from complications of intestinal surgery. At the 2016 Grammy Awards, the Eagles and longtime friend Jackson Brown performed Take It Easy, as a tribute to their lost bandmate. Thanks to his battles with the music industry and
1: also with his bandmates, Henley became an outspoken advocate for musicians' rights. He testified at a California Senate hearing regarding their contractual laws on September 5, 2001. In 2002, he became the head of the Recording Artists Coalition. This coalition's primary aim is to raise money to mount legal and political battles against the major record labels. According to Henley, their goal is to change the fundamental rules that govern most recording contracts, including copyright ownership, longtime control of intellectual property, and unfair accounting practices. Of course the irony is, is that Don Felder sued him and Glenn Fry for these exact things, so never know.
2: Artists' rights were not the only philanthropic work that Henley undertook. In 1990, he founded the Walden Woods Project to protect the forest from Thoreau's famous work from development. The 1993 album we mentioned, Common Thread, The Songs of the Eagles, was released to generate royalties for that project. In 2005, he held a fundraising concert with Elton John and other artists to buy part of the woods and turn it into a hiking trail. Henley's environmental protection advocacy hit closer to home, and he co founded the nonprofit Caddo Lake Institute in 1993. As part of the Caddo Lake Coalition, the CLI helps protect the East Texas wetlands where Henley grew up. Because of their efforts, Caddo Lake became only the 13th site in the United States to be listed as part of the Ramsar Convention, an intergovernmental treaty meant to promote the cooperation for conservation
0: of wetlands and their resources. After an 11-year hiatus, when he reunited with the Eagles and hashed out his legal battles, Henley released a new solo album in the year 2000. Inside Job peaked at number 7 and contained the new singles, Taking You Home, Everything Is Different Now, Workin' It, and For My Wedding, none of which I've ever heard. He performed songs from the album in a VH1 Storytellers episode in 2000 and released a live DVD of the album in 2002. In 2005, he opened for his old paramour Stevie Nicks on several concerts of her Two Voices tour. Henley performed a duet with his old mentor Kenny Rogers on Rogers' 2006
1: album Water and Bridges, and with Reba McIntyre on her 2007 duet album. In an interview that year, he indicated that he had more albums planned, saying, But we all have some solo plans still. I still have a contract with the major label Warner for a couple of solo albums. But since then, he hasn't released much in the way of solo work. He did release an album of country covers that included guests Ronnie Dunn and Alison Krauss
2: in September 2015. In 2016, after Glenn Frey's death, Henley stated that without Fry, there was no Eagles. Of course, Henley is famous for famous last words. In 2017, the band headlined the Classic West and Classic East concert events and featured Glenn Fry's son, Deacon, as well as country star Vince Gill and the legendary Bob Seeger, who co wrote Heartache Tonight 40 years before. In March 2018, the Eagles went on tour again with Deacon, touring North America in 2018 and planning a tour of Europe and Oceania in
0: 2019. Like many other artists, Henley had a tumultuous romantic life that often served as inspiration for his work. In 1974, he became involved with the jewelry designer Lori Rodkin. Both Wasted Time and parts of Hotel California were said to be inspired by their eventual breakup. We've already spoken about his relationships with Stevie Nicks and Lois Childs, but in the early 1980s, he became engaged to Battlestar Galactica's Athena, Maren Jensen. His first solo album was dedicated to her, and she sang harmony on one of the songs. The two, unfortunately, broke up in 1986. Henley would finally settle down in 1995, marrying Sharon Summerall. The two have three children together and have lived in the Dallas area since they were married.
1: Henley's musical talent is impressively diverse, and he has been called one of the greatest singing drummers of all time. In live shows with the Eagles, he simultaneously drums and sings when the group isn't playing acoustically in the round, as they famously did for the Hell Freezes over video. In his solo work and some songs with the Eagles, he plays electric guitar while singing or he sings without playing an instrument at all. In 2012, Henley was estimated to be the fourth wealthiest drummer in the world, coming in behind Ringo Starr, Phil Collins, and Dave Grohl. He won the Lifetime Achievement Award at the East Texas Music Awards in 2015, which is the highest honor that can be bestowed in the music industry today. Uh, He also was awarded the Kennedy Center Honor in 2016, along with... Fry, Walsh, and Schmidt. Eisner, Leiden, and Felder were cut out
2: again. I dispute the idea of referring to Dave Grohl as merely a drummer. No. But yeah.
0: uh Well well first let well, me Phil let me... Collins is Phil
1: Collins is more than just a singer and number two. He is he is an Alamo scholar.
0: Yeah, so. I was gonna say like, he, like Don Hanley <laughs> will always be number two to my number one Alamo friend, Phil Collins. Uh <laughs> let me not only just put point out. Not only did he receive the Lifetime Achievement Award in 2015, Don Henley was the inaugural recipient ah, of the Lord Lifetime King. Achievement Award in 2015. And who was 2016? Neil McCoy. And some okay. good songs, had a couple good songs, then. Step down. Kind of falls <laughs> off after that, folks. <laughs> no, I, I didn't even know there was, there was an East Texas Music Awards. That's neat. Nifty stuff you learn here. I also didn't, yeah. just like I learned a few weeks ago that uh, zavala is like you know a world record hang gliding location in north america you learn things when you do a podcast about texas i guess yeah um but uh anyway you know like i,
2: I said <laughs> briefly at the end of the previous episode um this is like the 80s is the don henley that i knew um i it, It's funny going back, looking in hindsight, I didn't even realize he was part of the Eagles, I don't think, until they reunited. And I was like, oh, (laughs) how about that? Um, Yeah, I mean, I knew, you know, dirty laundry, um, what else? Um, All she wants to do is dance, End of Innocence. Those are the heart of the matter. Um, Those are, those, that's the Don Henley that I knew.
0: I, I, and, I, I, it all falls under the banner of a, of a great genre known as divorce core.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I disagree with that. It's it's like when you visit your your friend's uh, divorced dad's apartment. There's yeah. a lot of Bruce Hornsby and Don Henley solo albums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um,
0: uh, well, I, I is, yeah I, ahead, I
1: agree. I'm 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 of the same opinion that. that the uh I do I do like his his solo stuff. I, it's it's like all she wants to do is dance and dirty laundry, and, and even a little bit at the end of the innocence. But as Sunset Girl, those are like to me those are like sounds of the '80s. You know, uh, they're they're as much part of sounds of the '80s as like a lot of new wave groups like you Gotcha Goo Goo.
0: But it's but but here's the thing that's interesting about Don Henley's Pivot. And I'm not knocking these songs all they' it's a it's a great career they're great songs they're um, they said something about the time they were made and they're they're very they're kind of I mean they're like they're like 80s clothes or, or 90s clothes like they're, they're they're sort of stuck in the time they're in and I would almost put them to a contemporary like the thing I think of with this music is it makes me think of the Billy Joel sound of the 70s. And then the, like, the We Didn't Start the Fire crap that he did. You know, it's just like, I'm still relevant. It's the I'm still relevant, damn it, album era. And so it doesn't feel very much like the material he did just five, ten years earlier. And it, but it's, it's, and it's so, it's trying so hard to be of the time. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I can,
1: I can agree with that until, well, the first couple albums and, and then, once you get to the end of the – actually, the Boys of Summer really kind of – Boys of Summer, really all she wants this. to do
0: is dance. Build a Perfect Beast is great. That's a great album that like is right. of its but time. It, what I was
1: trying to say is that, is that is that I think all she wants to do is dance in Dirty Laundry, have a certain sound. Whereas Boys of Summer, like, The End of the Innocence, Last worth of the Worthless Evening, all the songs of the later, Heart of the Matter, those are trying to sound like Boys of Summer, I think, in a lot of ways. And, like, that's the sound he, he later tried to get. And that's that light rock, easy easy rock, uh, adult contemporary sound, the divorce, the divorce court, you know. Uh, the interesting thing is that uh, he wrote several songs with members of the— uh, the the heartbreakers tom Petty's band, a uh, benmont trench and mike campbell um boys of summer was co-written with mike campbell and uh uh he wrote not enough love in the world with benmont trench um and he also worked again with jd Souther later on uh put the heart of the matter so it's real interesting that the cl- he's a very collaborative artist um I uh, I have a anecdote that I think is about Don Henley. <laughs> when I worked at the video store in college, oh, dude I, I swear, <laughs> I swear, Don Henley came in to rent a video. Uh, yeah, I I because this guy, this short guy, came in and nice looking guy and nice nice clothes on, and he rented a video. I think he bought something. I don't think he rented something. I think he bought it, and we he we left, and we we're like, I think that was Don Henley. <laughs> and this was about 95 96 but yeah i was like i think that was don henley and we were convinced don henley came in to buy a buy a video at the video store not a very good anecdote but it is an anecdote
0: i swear yeah well (laughs) hey man you know we'll take what we can get hey if you're out there listening and you, you haven't turned this off and and moved on to your next true crime or deep history podcast and you have a fun don henley anecdote why not send it in you know Give, drop us a line. We'll share it.
1: I don't know how much we want to talk about his misfortune at the, at the, in 1980. His
2: bad behavior. I, I, I wow. Think, <laughs> I think misfortune is the wrong word for that. I think
0: it is. I think that,
1: that was it's it's beyond a
0: bad decision. It's
1: unfortunate that we have to even think
0: about that. Oh, my gosh. Let's just move um, on.
1: Let's just move on. So, yeah. So – I don't agree that the the Eagles reuniting was such the epochal moment in rock history. But at the same time, it was a pretty dadgum big deal in 1994.
0: Well, I think it was just a thing of like, it was one of those things of, these guys hate each other. And if they, like, not just for love of money, like it, for love of an ungodly sum of money is the only thing that would get them all like, but I, I would love to know the contract writer. Like, we're going to need a minimum of six dressing rooms that are, <laughs> that are not adjacent. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to need two warm-up, two separate warm-up rooms, and we're going to need special catering. And, every, you know, they all fly from one place to the next, and they fly separately. They don't actually, like, they don't have to talk to each other at all. Um, And having done those songs for so many years, they probably just... Could just literally walk on stage, pick up the guitar, sit down on the drums, start doing the song, put the sticks down, walk off the stage, get in their separate limos and go their separate ways
1: well cool. and and actually, uh, I read some articles that that you would think that would be the case, but in fact, they they rehearsed obsessively before that show. Like they came in. The first time they were supposed to play, uh, Glenn Fry didn't. Sh- he he no showed. It turned out he 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 had long term illnesses, stomach problems, and so he was ill, f- and he didn't want to you know go through the rehearsals for that ninety three show. But for the ninety four show, they 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 came in and they they sat down and they said, "This is what we're going to do." They practiced extensively so that when when they performed, they were tied. I mean th- that that concert is a good show because they are. Super tight with their songs, and, and 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 it's a little contrived sometimes with the banner and everything. But they had already they had already worked out some of the a lot of the kinks beforehand. So, um, but I think that probably the writer was pretty pretty extensive uh, in terms of just dealing with each other for such a long time. But they were they've been together now longer reu- reunited than they were originally.
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, you get old and yeah. slow down.
1: I I do appreciate that. He did keep his Texas roots, and and the, the the most surprising thing to learn was that how how what he's done for the Caddo Lake project, which
0: that, that is that's nice, touched
1: heart. That really, that really, and and then he lives in Dallas. I, I knew that he lived in Dallas, so he he kept kept his Texas roots. But yeah, the the Cattle Lake thing that's that's really special because we've talked about Cattle Lake. Mm-hmm. We talked about our. Jefferson episode. So that's a, that's a big deal, I think.
0: That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Schaum with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. A big shout-out to our good buddy, James Ebendrop. For helping us to research and write this episode and a special tip of the cap to his wife, Tamika Jones-Avendroth, for suggesting the topic. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Blackguard Press, and find his fiction work at blackguardpress.com. If you like the show, please let your friends know and give us a review on iTunes because that helps us out to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come and take it Texas Ranger. We hope you join us next time and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.